medical department only two go to the bench and we are more than a dozen you don't train you only recover that's a that's a situation preparation hard work confidence and overcoming those difficult moments Today we're still outside Liverpool and we are going to the first part of the medical test. Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance podcast. I am Andrew Shafiq, a doctor in London and your host for today's podcast. Today I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Will Abbott. Will is the Academy Performance Manager at Brighton Hove Albion Football Club, having previously gained experience working as strength and conditioning and sports science practitioner at the club. Will's current role is to lead a team of strength and conditioning, sports science, nutrition and medical practitioners towards achieving a common objective. He also has a PhD in the monitoring and prescription of GPS training load in elite academy soccer athletes. Thank you for joining us, Will. Hi, Andrew. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Today, we're going to discuss the research programme and the great work produced at Brighton Hove Albion Football Club, which you've had a, a big part to play in. Um, do you mind just to give a little kind of background to our speakers uh, to start by telling off a little bit more about your journey within football and your involvement at the club today? Sure, yes. Yeah. So, so as you mentioned, I'm, I'm currently the, the academy performance manager at uh, Brighton Hove Albion Football Club. And this is a, a role that I've been in for, for just over a year now, um, involves overseeing, I suppose, all of the, the science and medical services that, that we provide to, uh, to our academy players. So we've got about 12 staff within, you know, sports science, S&C, physio, nutrition for our academy and, and over 200 players there. So I'm, a, I'm an S&C coach by trade, uh, you know, UKSCA accreditation, um, basically accredited sport and exercise scientist. And, and as you touched on, uh, a couple of years ago, completed my, my PhD, which ran alongside my, my role at the football club. So I suppose going back, going back a few years now, my, my first role in, in football came during the, the final year of my undergraduate degree. I was I was studying sport and exercise science at the University of Portsmouth and and interviewed for a sports science internship at Southampton Football Club. So lucky enough to to get this role and, and completed this alongside my studies. So at the end of the season, I stayed on at Southampton whilst completing my, my master's in, in sport performance. So really tough couple of years, but, but really beneficial as it sort of allowed me to, to get my qualifications alongside getting some, some fantastic applied experience. So following the, the initial experience at Southampton, I, I interviewed and was successful in getting a role at, at Brighton Hove Albion Football Club. So the club were, were in the championship at the time. We were you know, training out of Porter Cabins at the University of Sussex. We were using the students' gym, using the students' playing pitches and, you know, really far away from, I suppose, my, my initial experiences at Southampton Football Club. So it was a fantastic grounding for me and, and really forced us as a department at the club to, to use our initiative to, to maximise the facilities and, and the equipment that we sort of had at our disposal. So I spent a, a couple of years in, I suppose, an assistant strength and conditioning sports science role with, with the first team before I was offered the opportunity to, to lead the program with our under 23 squad. So I've always been fascinated by youth development and it was a great opportunity for, for me to try my hand at leading a, a gym-based and pitch-based program, working directly with, with a group of, of coaching staff. 
So at this point, I, I thought it'd be a good idea as well to enroll upon a, a part-time PhD at the University of Brighton. So I tied the, the data collection and, and the research questions into my role within the academy and, and I suppose used the, the PhD to answer questions that we as a department were, were desperate to, to sort of find the answers to. So following about three years in, in this role with the under-23s, I, I took up the role as head of academy strength and conditioning. So overseeing the SNC and, and sports science provisions for all our academy age groups. So under nines all the way up to, to under 23s. And I suppose this was, was my first experience of managing staff, managing a department and, and forming a sort of a collaborative philosophy here. So during this time, we, we placed a huge emphasis upon driving a, the research and innovation aspect of the department that, that you touched on. So critiquing our, our practice through structured investigations, looking to feed the findings through to inform our programme, as, as well as, I suppose, disseminating the work to, to a wider community. Um, and then probably about two years ago, the, the sports science and medical department was restructured. I was offered the role as, as academy performance manager, having come from a strength and conditioning background and, and transitioning into more of a holistic role, overseeing a, a number of disciplines. You know, this is a, a really steep learning curve for me. Uh, and certainly challenged me to, to use the experts around me and, and look at performance with, with more of a, a broader lens. And, and I suppose that brings me to, to where we are today. That's brilliant and really, really insightful kind of story to, to your background and, and how things have developed at the club. Do you mind giving us a bit of the overview of the research programme at Brighton Hove Albion Football Club and where, where that's got to today? Sure. So... As a club and, and as a department, we place a high emphasis upon, um, I suppose, evidence-based practice, innovation and, and critiquing our, our current program and the processes that we've got in place. Um, but we also ensure that, I suppose, it links in with our overall aim of the club, which you know, is to support our first team in, in winning on the weekend, ultimately. In our case, within the academy, it comes in the form of producing academy players that are able to transition through and and play for our first team in, in the Premier League. And ultimately, you know, we have to ensure that all of our research boils down to, to support in this aim. So by trying and, and testing new things, by critiquing our current practice, which you know, effectively is what conducting research is, is doing, um, we're looking to put the correct processes in place to form a, a successful programme longer term. Um, ultimately, our, our aim is to critique every single aspect of our delivery to determine whether what we're doing within the academies is actually working. And how do we structure this? We, we try to, to form as many links as part and partnerships with external practitioners or, or experts in the field as, as possible. And I suppose utilize their expertise and, and their knowledge. We have formal partnerships as well. For example, we've got a, a full-time PhD student on site from the University of Brighton who's dedicated to, to answering our performance questions we've got here at the football club. With each of our, our full-time staff within our academy sports science and medical department will sit down as part of their end of year review and, and identify an area for that individual to investigate for, for the following season. And this will be sort of designed and, and conducted as a formal investigation. So written up to, to feedback to the department at the end of the season and um, and the findings can then be used to, to inform and, and affect our programme moving forward. So if something works, brilliant, we'll keep it within the programme. If it doesn't, then, then we'll exclude it. So it might take time, but ultimately, 
we want every aspect of, of our program to be tried and tested and proven to, to work in our environment. Uh, and this, I suppose, helps us avoid getting sucked into every new fad and, and training method that, that sort of comes out. Um, and also stops us just doing things because, you know, the club down the road or the club next door are doing it. Very interesting. And you've touched on some, some of this already, but what are the kind of main benefits of conducting research within an applied setting? Yeah, so, so the main one for, for, for me really is it helps inform evidence-based decision-making. So I've, I've certainly been in environments in the past where we've um, continued with aspects of our delivery purely because that's what we've always done. Um, so by incorporating evidence-based practice, we can ensure that our programs are, are put together for the right reason. And ultimately, uh, that reason is because it's the most beneficial thing for, for the players. So in addition, if, if we're objective and, and, and evidence-based, it, it prevents us from getting caught up in, in I suppose, a battle of opinions. Um, after all, you know, without data, it's, it's just your, your opinion versus someone else's, you know, your opinion versus the coach's. So it's always good to have objective data to, to back that up. So what conducting research in, in your own applied setting, I suppose, also provides is, is a guarantee that, that what you're testing either works or doesn't work in your context and in your environment. So we often see published work conducted in, in other applied environments, uh, see that it's successful and, and then try to pick it up and, and drop it straight into to the program that, that we're running. Just because it's worked in, in, in another sport previously or, or with amateur level athletes, doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna be successful in your environment within your sort of unique set of, of circumstances. So by investigating within your applied environment with your athletes, you can categorically determine whether something does or doesn't work within your context. And then finally, by, by being innovative and, and investigating new things, um, you know, we can provide ourselves with, with a competitive edge. You know, we as a, a football club don't have the finances to, to throw, you know, money at, at everything, uh, but we do have the freedom to, to, to try new things. And our thought process is always, can we look to maximise and develop what we already have within the building? That's really interesting. And you, you mentioned that not all the, the research that's conducted is necessarily utilised and there's a decision-making process there. That leads on to kind of what are the challenges of conducting research in a more applied setting as you've experienced at the, at the club? Yeah, so a challenge that I'm sure everyone will, will be aware of is that things change very quickly in, in professional sport. You know, staff, managers, players, uh, not to mention training, fixtures, schedules, things like that. And, and as a result, even the, the best laid sort of investigations uh, can can see their sort of subject size drastically sort of cut as, as a result of a decision that's that's been made elsewhere. So so this means that firstly we have to plan incredibly effectively in the first place, but also we have to be very very adaptable of what's happening around us when when we're conducting research. Uh, another challenge for for us as as sports scientists and, and practitioners is balancing the desire for for I suppose quick answers with the importance of, of conducting robust research. So the speed at which sport moves, um, however changing it is, coaches and, and other stakeholders typically want answers very quickly. However, in order to conduct effective research and derive 
accurate answers to questions. We need more time, we need more participants, and we need more data. So it's often a case of, of balancing these, these two needs, really. Uh, and then I suppose a, a final challenge specific to, to us um, really is, is disseminating the findings. So, you know, it's one thing conducting the, the research, writing up a manuscript, getting it published, but coaches and players aren't going to flick through a, a 20, 25 page manuscript. They're, they're probably not even going to look at the abstract. And if they don't read it, then there's very little chance of it being applied and, and positively affecting our day-to-day -day practice. And then it's just been a, a huge waste of time. So instead, what, what we've got to do is to feedback the findings in a more of a coach-friendly way. That's really interesting. And you've kind of discussed a little bit there about working with, with the key stakeholders and utilising the applied research that's, that's been done at the club. How do you find it best to feed back the, the scientific investigations to, to these stakeholders, such as coaches, players, and, and other people that are involved overall in the performance of, of players at the weekend, ultimately? Yeah, as I said, this is, this is a real, real challenge of, of ours, really trying to feed it back in, in almost a, a coach or a player-friendly way. Um, a way that, that we've managed to have a degree of, of success is is through the use of, of infographics and things like that. So feeding back the, the findings in one pages that, that are concise, that are eye-catching and, and that use language ultimately that's, that's easily understood. Um, the aim is by doing this, we can, we can firstly increase the amount of work that's, that's actually read, uh, and then secondly, increase the amount of work that's fed back through and that's informing our day-to-day -day practice. Um, but I think even before this, we can, we can engage stakeholders like the coaches more by including them within the research process. So what are the questions that they want to, to know the answers to? Because if we're answering questions that they aren't interested in, then no matter how we, we try and dress up the results and present them, you know, they're unlikely to, to be interested in hearing them. Alternatively, if, if we involve them within the process of identifying the research question, if we answer questions that they want to know the answers to, then not only will, will they be more interested in hearing the results, but there's also more chance of the results positively influencing practice uh, and therefore improving our, our processes and our performance, which is you know, the, the overall aim ultimately. That's brilliant. And what are kind of the, some of the, the topic areas that you've conducted work in and ones that you've found specifically applicable um, within everyday setting at Brighton Hove Albion? Yeah, so as I mentioned previously, our, our philosophy as a department is to critique as many different aspects of our practice as, as possible to determine whether uh, they, they do or, or don't work. So as a result, we've conducted research in, in I suppose, a, a range of, of different areas, really. Uh, so my personal area of interest has, has always been training load and, and was the area that I conducted my, my PhD in. So looking at, at how we create more of an individualized approach to the way that we monitor and, and prescribe training load to our, academy, uh, to our academy athletes. Aside from that, we've formed a fantastic partnership with Tom Clifford, who's, who's now at Loughborough University. The, the way that him and, and his colleagues have, have supported us in answering our applied research questions have, uh, has been incredible. You know, some of the research with Tom has focused upon determining the, the contextual factors affecting the well-being of our athletes, in addition to investigations on sleep and, and mental fatigue. 
So once we'd identified these performance issues associated with, with the topics, uh, we subsequently focus our efforts upon investigating the, the efficacy of some interventions to help enhance recovery. So things like cryotherapy, uh, cherry juice, casein protein. Uh, we've also investigated some, I suppose, lesser researched areas of, of athlete health and well-being. So things like eating disorders, things like mental health. So we as, as a science and a medical department player you know, a huge part really in, in not only optimizing the performance of our players, but also ensuring that, that ultimately they're happy and that they're healthy. So these types of investigations are really, really important to us and, and our practice. And then finally, we've, uh, we've been very fortunate to, to have partnered up with Chris Bishop and his team at Middlesex to, to conduct some work into asymmetries. So the use of bilateral and, and unilateral counter movement jumps to measure asymmetry. Uh, and also the correlation between asymmetries and, and physical performance measures in, in academy footballers. That's absolutely brilliant. And some great work really conducted at the club. Um, a lot of it shared with the infographics have been mentioned on your website at willabbott.co.uk and also on your Twitter page. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Listeners, I'll put up the links for the, the papers, the articles, um, and Will's website and his Twitter handle, which I would highly recommend you all to follow to learn a little bit more about his work. You've been listening to the Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. Have a great day.